Hello everyone, this is Sal from Bitcoin Taxes. Welcome to the first installment of our multi-part series on cryptocurrency taxation. In the first part of this series, we're going to be diving into the very basics of cryptocurrency taxation. We'll be discussing what's taxable, what's not taxable, and where exactly everything gets reported on your tax forms. In future episodes of this series, we'll be discussing tax implication strategies in cryptocurrency, including long and short-term gains, tax loss harvesting, how you treat margin, futures, staking, etc., all the popular types of cryptocurrency activity. Then we'll be moving on to cryptocurrency tax regulations, past regulations, current regulations, where the future of regulations may go, how that affects you as a taxpayer. We'll discuss cryptocurrency audits, which are becoming more and more frequent every tax year. And finally, we'll be discussing real and hypothetical cryptocurrency tax situations with tax professionals. We'll be talking directly to cryptocurrency tax professionals who have been in this space for years. They'll be sharing their experiences, their tips, and any hurdles that they've encountered in the crypto tax space. You're definitely not going to want to miss this because we're going to start with the basics of cryptocurrency taxation, and we're going to go into discussing the more advanced aspects of cryptocurrency taxation as well. Any question that you have about cryptocurrency taxation will be answered in this podcast series. So be sure to stay tuned each week for a new episode. To start the series off, today we're going to be talking to Matt Metris. Matt is a cryptocurrency tax pro. He's been on the Bitcoin Taxes podcast many times, always a valuable source of information. Matt, thanks for being here today. Hey, Sal. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm excited to go over some of the basics of cryptocurrency taxation. We've talked a lot about different advanced cryptocurrency taxation cases. And so today we're just going to go back to the basics. But first, Matt, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I'm an enrolled agent. I'm from Rochester, New York. I've been practicing uh, in the crypto space full time since 2017, but I did my first crypto return in 2014, got paid in Dogecoin, and I learned a, a great lesson on that tax return because I had priced the return in Dogecoin. And by the time it was done, I got paid 12 bucks for the return. <laughs> Yeah, last year I sold that Doge for like three grand, so it was it ended up working out <laughs> after holding it for almost a decade. Uh, but yeah, been around this space for a while. Um, I do a lot of speaking and teaching of other tax professionals um, at conferences all over the country uh, and online. So um, spend a lot of time just talking about crypto. So we're gonna go back to the basics, Matt. Uh, first question I have for you is: Is cryptocurrency taxed overall yes and that the irs has not given us a lot of guidance on crypto but they are very specific and explicit that uh cryptocurrency is subject to tax and it's generally treated as property okay now what types of cryptocurrency transactions are considered taxable yeah there's more uh transactions that are considered taxable than not taxable honestly so when we think of any time we are disposing of a piece of cryptocurrency and that means by disposing we're selling it we're gifting it we're buying something with it um, that's all going to have some reporting implications there are certain situations when you're acquiring cryptocurrency that don't need to be reported like when you buy it for us dollars or you receive it as a gift, those are situations where you wouldn't report it. But almost all of the situations where cryptocurrency is leaving your possession, uh, even if you're exchanging it for another type of crypto, uh, that's going to be a taxable transaction. Okay, so if I buy some Bitcoin, for example, maybe on Coinbase, I buy some Bitcoin with US dollars, that is not a taxable event, correct, Matt? Correct. So that is not a taxable event. It doesn't need to go on your tax return. 
but you do still need to have a record of that because it, what it does is it, it, it establishes something called basis and basis is the basically the amount you paid for something for a piece of property. Um, and then there are things that can change that amount later on, like fees and things like that. But you have to have those records for when you do eventually sell that Bitcoin uh, to justify what you paid for it to be able to only pay tax on the difference between those two numbers. All right, Matt. So you mentioned basis, also referred to as cost basis, and you talked about the importance of basis. Uh, when it comes down to it, although cryptocurrency taxation can be complex, and we're trying to demystify it here, it does boil down to basically a simple calculation between basis and proceeds. Is that right? Absolutely, Sal. So if I buy uh, one Ethereum for $500 and I sell it for $1,000, I don't get taxed on the $1,000. I get taxed on the difference between what I sold it for, the proceeds, and what I bought it for, the basis. Um, so that in that scenario, I, there would be a $500 difference and I would only pay tax on the 500 profit that I made as opposed to the full $1,000. I know there are many different types of transactions in the crypto space that are considered taxable, but let's start with the basics. So you already told us about buying cryptocurrency with fiat currency, aka US dollars or Canadian dollars, whatever your your currency of your country is. And you said that that event in itself is not a taxable event. Now, what about selling cryptocurrency for US dollars? Is that a taxable event? Yes, definitely. So that is the sort of the basic building block of most cryptocurrency transactions. If you're getting rid of crypto, you're receiving something of value in exchange, which is in this case, we're going to say is US dollars. And that U.S. amount of U.S. dollars that you receive is going to um, be the proceeds, the amount that you are bringing in. And then we subtract the basis from that and we pay tax on the difference if, it, if it's a positive number. Now, there are situations where I buy a Bitcoin for $50,000 and I sell it for $25,000. Now I have a $25,000 loss. So there are situations where you can have negative numbers in there as well. And you're only going to pay tax when you have gains. And where does that information go when you're reporting it to the IRS? If you're selling Bitcoin or any other crypto for fiat currency, how do you report that to the IRS? Which form does that go on? Yeah. So any capital gain or loss transaction goes on a form called 8949, uh, which lists all the details. It has the dates that you bought and sold, the dates are the proceeds, the basis, and then any adjustments. Sometimes there's reasons why you might use the adjustment codes. Um, and all that information gets aggregated and flows from there onto a form called Schedule D. And then it flows from there onto the front page of your 1040. So how does the IRS determine how much of a tax you'll have to pay on those cryptocurrency capital gains, Matt? Yeah, that's a great question, Sal, because um, first of all, the IRS probably won't determine. We're on our own to figure that out. Um, and we have a voluntary compliance system. So um, we are required by law to report our transactions and our tax. Um, and then there's an audit system in place to check our work. And that's random. There's re different reasons you can get audited. Um, and that's when the IRS will find out if we did it right or wrong. Um, but we're doing these calculations ourselves, um, whether through the help of software or manually. And there's really two types of tax on the tax return. There's ordinary income, which is most things. And then there's a whole different tax bucket, so to speak, called capital gains or loss. And that's coming from the sale, 
of investments, property, various things like that that get reported on Schedule D. And so the capital gains rates work a little bit differently than the ordinary income rates. So normally, all of your income is taxed at um, a tax bracket, but it goes up marginally. So like, let's say you're a single filer in 2022. The first $10,275 that you earn gets taxed at 10%. And then the next 30,000 roughly on top of that gets taxed at 12%. And then the next uh, 40, 50,000 on top of that gets taxed at 22% to 24% to 32% to 35%. And then if you're making over uh, like $540,000, you pay 37% tax, which is the highest ordinary tax rate. So your crypto gains could be anywhere in that range of 10% to 37%. But there's also another catch on that which is how long have you held the property that you're selling and so the the tax code is written in a way to incentivize taxpayers to hold their investments long term and long term for tax code purposes means a year and a day so as long as you hold it a a full year and sell it on that next day you qualify for the long-term capital gains rates now the long-term rates range from zero percent to 20%. So if you're a single filer, uh, you can have about 44,000 worth of income uh, total that includes your, you know, if you have a W-2 job and all that stuff, but you would pay 0% on your long-term capital gains from crypto. So um, when we do these calculations, we have to figure out if things are both long-term and short-term, and then we can figure out the tax rate as well. All right, Matt. So now what if somebody pays me in crypto? Let's say I do a job, I I design a website for them, and they pay me in cryptocurrency. Is that taxable? Yes, absolutely. So there's a couple pieces to this. It's a couple different transactions in one, actually. So let's say you're a self-employed taxpayer, um, meaning you don't work for a company, you don't get a W-2, you're just getting paid in crypto to make this website for some customer you found online. So in that scenario, um, let's say you get paid uh, one Ethereum for that website. And right now, ETH is at uh, $1,694. So let's say $1,700 for the sake of making it easy. Mm -hmm. So you get paid one ETH worth $1,700. You're going to recognize that $1,700 as what's called ordinary income. And it's also self-employment income. So there's two different tax buckets there. and then that 1700 becomes your basis in that holding. So let's say a month from now, Ethereum is worth $2,000 and you sell it. So you don't get taxed again on that $2,000. You have two pieces of the transaction. You have 1700 as ordinary income from the website. And then the difference between 1700 and 2000, which is 300 bucks as your capital gain. So they would go in different places on your tax return but the total $2,000 you brought in still gets taxed and only gets taxed once. A lot of people feel that that amounts to double taxation because they don't account for the fact that the ordinary income establishes your basis um, that offsets the capital gains tax on it. Right. If you didn't pay any taxes when you received it and your basis was zero and then you sold it for $2,000, you're going to be paying capital gains on $2,000 as opposed to if your basis was $1,700, you're going to be paying capital gains on $300, right? Exactly. All right, Matt. So if I make that website for somebody and they pay me in ETH, where do I put that on my tax forms? 
Yeah, exactly. So there's lots of different places things can go um, on your tax return for ordinary income. So uh, continuing the narrative here that you're self-employed, it would go on a form called Schedule C, which is basically the self-employment form. But maybe you're not in what we call the trader business of making a website. Maybe you just you have a full time job. You just did this one thing for a friend. It might not be self-employment. It might and it might just be ordinary income that's not subject to what we call self-employment tax. We in the industry, we refer to it a lot as hobby income. Uh, and in that scenario, you would report it on Schedule one, line eight. Um, and then there's also a scenario where you could work a W-2 job where you work for an employer um and that crypto you could still get paid in crypto you know we saw things like the mayor of new york city getting paid in crypto i think mayor of miami some other like officials there was some nfl players mm -hmm. they would get that in that that reported on a w-2 so that would go in a completely different spot on your tax return so lots of variations just depending on the nature of the income we kind of have to look through the cryptocurrency to the type of transaction that's underneath to decide where we're going to list it or report it one of the common forms of crypto income that I see a lot is cryptocurrency mining. So can you tell me how cryptocurrency mining would be taxed? Yeah, absolutely. So mining is an activity that's very popular with a lot of taxpayers. It's getting harder and harder to do, right? When we you know, started in this industry, both you and I started around the same time, mm -hmm. you could mine a lot of coins with a home computer, you know, and it's getting more difficult to do that. But there are still people mining at home. Um, and what we know is that the IRS put out a notice in 2014 uh, called Notice 14-21, and it says that mining rewards are considered ordinary income at the time of receipt. So we hopefully we all know that that when you're mining, you're doing proof of work blockchain maintenance. And when you solve a block in a proof of work network, you get a mining reward. And that's what the mining is. Um, and we take the fair market value, whatever those tokens or coins are worth at that point in time. And that's the income that you need to show on your tax return. What if you join a mining pool, which seem to be a little bit more popular these days? Yeah, uh, mining pools are much more popular because you are sort of hedging against the um, sort of arbitrary nature of solving the blockchain, right? So you could have a miner who's mining with a setup in their basement and they could go a whole year without solving a single block and get no rewards. And when you um, engage in a mining pool, uh, you're basically pooling all those resources together, hence the name, um, and you all get a little bit of the profit. So it helps, you know, distribute the risk. And we do love, we love decentralization in this world, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and this is where things get a little tricky because we, I mentioned something called a trader business before. So there's a code section, section 162, and that's what governs whether or not something is subject to self-employment tax or not. And you have to be in a trade or business for it to be subject to self-employment tax. And the IRS never defines this. The IRS loves to give us these terms and then not define them so they can have a little bit more latitude there. And I guess this is not actually the IRS, this was Congress that wrote it this way, but the IRS has never clarified to say what exactly a trader business is. So what the courts have looked at is you have to have a profit motive, which of course that all miners are probably gonna have a profit motive, but you also have to engage in the activity on a continuous and regular basis. So that's where things can get a little tricky because if you are in a mining pool or you know you have a compass contract or something like that, 
you might not be engaging with it on a regular basis. You might just have your resources, you, you know, they're in a data center somewhere, you pay your fees and that's it. You might not make that 162 threshold in that case. Whereas if you have it in, you know, your, your house, uh, you have to make sure those machines are running all the time. You got to check on them uh, and, and that sort of thing. So that can differentiate where the income gets reported. We know for sure that it's income either way. The IRS has told us that. But it just depends on if it goes on a form on Schedule C or if it goes on Schedule 1, and those are going to have a little bit of a different tax treatment to them. Staking has become really popular in the cryptocurrency space. Can you talk about how staking is taxed? Yeah, absolutely. And and we don't have a lot of guidance on staking, unfortunately. A lot of, especially tax professionals, just sort of assume proof of work, proof of stake, they sound pretty similar. We should probably treat them the same way. Um, but we don't really know for sure. And it's also important to differentiate between true proof of stake blockchain maintenance, where we are um, either running a node or delegating our coins to someone running a node. And what a lot of people in the crypto community call staking, which is actually just a, like a type of yield farming where you're taking your assets and either lending them out or doing something with them that isn't blockchain maintenance itself. Um, Cause there's some slight nuanced differences there in the tax treatment. So generally when it comes to staking, um, what is happening is, is I'm taking my coins and I am pledging those as collateral to um, make sure that the transactions in the blockchain are accurate. Mm -hmm. um, and if I were to put forward, you know, bad transactions, I could lose my stake. It could be slashed. Now, if I do my job correctly as staking, I get a little bit of crypto as a reward, basically, as, as compensation. Um, and generally speaking, when we look at Section 61 of the IRS, sorry, Internal Revenue Code, it says everything is income unless there's something else in the code that says it's not. So we could extrapolate from there that staking is taxable income. Now that said, not everyone, including tax professionals, agree with that assessment. There is an argument that says staking should not be taxable because it's more akin to a baker baking a loaf of bread. And that baker, they mix all their ingredients in the bowl, they put the, the ingredients in the pan and they put the pan in the oven. And when the bread comes out of the oven, it's newly created property and you don't get taxed on the bread when it's done baking, you get taxed on the bread when you sell it. And that's the treatment that um, a number of people and organizations are pushing for. Uh, it has probably shaky legal <laughs> basis at best, um, but it is an argument that's out there and the IRS has not clarified yet one way or another. Okay. And what about when you receive crypto via an airdrop? Those are some, they used to be way more frequent, but they're still pretty common to receive airdrops. Are you taxed on airdrops and, and how are you taxed on airdrops? Yeah, that's another one where we don't have any firm guidance from the IRS. So we can make that same argument under Section 61 uh, that you are taxed upon um, receipt of the airdrop or what's called constructive receipt. We can get into that in a second. Um, again, the, the IRS has said nothing on this. And it is worth noting that there was uh, what's called a revenue ruling published in 2019 by the IRS um, that did use the word airdrop but only used it uh, as a new coin that's created as the result of a hard fork. Mm -hmm. 
which all of us in the crypto world know that's not an airdrop, right? Mm-hmm. That we, we don't call that airdrop. That's not an airdrop. The IRS got that wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, they've never clarified that. They've, they've informally said, yeah, we know we got this wrong, but they've never retracted it. They've never changed it. So there are, you know, IRS guidance out there that use the word airdrop, but are using it incorrectly. Um, but under that guidance, they absolutely say it's fair market value at the time of receipt. Now that seems pretty straightforward, but it, there's two pieces you have to determine. When is the time of receipt and what is the fair market value? Those both, they might be a little difficult to figure out. So let's take a, you know, different, there's a couple different types of airdrop as well. There's the type that just shows up in your wallet, right? You don't do anything. You just go to your, you know, EtherScan and you, and you have a, a new token in your wallet and maybe it's worth a dollar, maybe it's worth $5, maybe it's worth nothing. So that one, it's hard to say you didn't receive it, right? Even if it's like the equivalent of junk mail, you've still received this piece of property and it's likely taxable income. Now, there's a different scenario where you have to do something. You have to do what's called a ministerial act in order to access the airdrop. So let's take um, Uniswap because that was super popular, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You had to take your MetaMask wallet or similar wallet connect it to a website and push a button to claim the airdrop. And the price on that fluctuated substantially. So I um, have some some data from different clients that I've had and between like 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. on the date the airdrop came out, um, the price doubled. So one taxpayer might be recognizing $500 in income there and the other might be recognizing $1,000 in income there. So there's a lot of nuance to this. And we also have this concept of what's called constructive receipt that I mentioned before. Um, and I think we were talking about it before on, on another show that the, it's you think of a landlord who has a rental property, right? And the tenant mails them a rent check. It's December. Mm-hmm. It's the end of December. They're mailing the January rent and the check is in an envelope and it gets delivered to the landlord's house and it's in their mailbox on December 31st. Um, just because the landlord doesn't go to the mailbox and physically take the checkout doesn't mean they don't have to recognize it as income in that tax year. So the landlord's thinking, oh, if I just leave it in the mailbox until tomorrow, I can recognize it on next year's income because I got it in the following year. No, the, the tax code specifically highlights this and doesn't allow for that. So you have constructively received the income as soon as you're able to access it. And there's a caveat to that, too, because there's an exception to everything. Mm-hmm. And there's a caveat that says it's income as long as there is not a substantial limitation or restriction from accessing the income. Now, if the check is in the U.S. Postal Service still on December 31st, I can't show up at the post office and demand my check. That's mm-hmm. a substantial limitation. If the check is just sitting in the mailbox at my house and I haven't walked out to it because it's cold, that's not a substantial limitation. But again, there's no bright line test on this. They do give some examples in one of the Treasury regulations. Um, And the bar is pretty low for what's a substantial limitation. But the way this extrapolates to crypto, we have to wonder if pushing the claim button uh, and paying a gas fee is considered a substantial limitation or not. We don't have an answer to that question. Um, But it's likely that that's not a substantial limitation. And in that scenario, 
everyone recognizes income on the airdrop as soon as they could have claimed it, whether they claim it or not. Now, what if I pay somebody in crypto for doing a job for me? Now, if somebody comes and does some yard work for me and they like crypto and I pay them in crypto, is that taxed? And if so, how? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the actual payment to the person is not necessarily taxable to you, but there is a capital gain or loss. So for example, uh, my 17-year-old next door neighbor, I paid him over the summer in Cardano to mow my lawn. Let's say I pay my neighbor 30 Cardano uh, to, to mow my lawn. Now I have a basis somewhere in that Cardano, but I'm not really selling it, right? I'm trading it for a good or service. I'm trading mm -hmm. it to get my lawn mowed. Um, and so the fair market value at that point of the lawn mowing itself was, let's say $30, let's say Cardano is worth a dollar. Um, but let's say I bought that Cardano for 25 cents. So now I have a $22 and 50 cent capital gain on that because my mm. basis in it, um, was 75 cents times 30, which is going to be 750. Um, so I'm not paying tax per se on the service but I am required to report the capital gain or loss that comes from disposing of the asset that I have. So basically, if the crypto was worth more when you paid him than when you bought the crypto, you're going to pay capital gains on it, essentially. Correct. And it and it could go the other way. I could have bought that Cardano for $2 a piece. And so I had $60 in basis. And then I pay him the $30 to mow my lawn. And now I have a $30 loss. Um, and that would count you, we can net the losses and gains against each other um, and kind of wipe the gains out with losses. So that's a strategy. I think we're going to get into that later. Um, but you can help <laughs> by selling your losing positions. You can actually help reduce your tax burden. One of the most common crypto transactions, I would say, is trading one crypto for another type of crypto. Can you talk about how that's taxed, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. And and this is an area that causes a lot of confusion uh, for taxpayers. And prior to 2018, there was something in the tax code called the like-kind exchange that some people suggested would apply to crypto that was never confirmed and, and it's unlikely that it ever did. Um, but a lot of people still hear that and think that in their brain that they don't have to pay tax when they're swapping or trading between one cryptocurrency and another cryptocurrency. The IRS has since clarified that if you are getting rid of one cryptocurrency and acquiring a second one in the same transaction, that is indeed taxable. It's no different than if I had Apple stock and I trade it for uh, Google stock. Or if I have, um, you know, uh, an, a four wheeler and I trade it for a motorcycle, those are all taxable transactions. So when we get into the details, there's actually almost two different transactions taking place here. Um, and I have an example that I use um, in my one of my slide decks when I teach um, and that is an homage to you, Sal. Oh, um, so in this transaction, I traded 0 0.58 Ethereum. I know what this is going to be. Dracula. <laughs> for 50, I traded 0 0.58 Ethereum for 50 Dracula tokens. So Sale convinced me to invest in Dracula uh, because his dog is named Dracula. Um, and it seemed like a cool idea. It turned out to be a terrible rug, rug pull, uh, and I lost all my money. But <laughs> in this scenario, um, I am taking this 0 0.58 or 0 0.58 Ethereum, um, and I am selling that. 
and we have to look at the fair market value of what that Ethereum was worth. And in this case, it was about $150. Mm-hmm. So I'm selling $150 worth of Ethereum and I'm buying $150 worth of Dracula. So we take this trade and we break it down into two separate transactions. And the, the sale of the Ethereum is what gets reported on my tax return because I disposed of that asset. I got rid of it. Whereas the acquisition of the Dracula coin, um, it doesn't get reported. It just establishes my basis. So now my basis in the Dracula is $150. And when I later sell it for a dollar because it loses all its value, I have $149 loss on that. All right, Matt. So we talked about the different types of taxable transactions in crypto. I'm going to run through them quickly one more time, just so somebody gets a summary of what's taxable, what's not taxable. So let's go through those right now. All right. Buying crypto for fiat currency. Not taxable, not reportable. Selling crypto for fiat currency. Is that taxable? Yes. All right. Trading one crypto for another crypto. Yes. Okay. Mining crypto. Yes. Staking crypto. Probably. Okay. Receiving an airdrop. Probably. Receiving income or being paid in crypto. Yes, taxable. Okay. And then how about paying somebody for a good or a service in crypto? It's reportable. There's probably tax gain or loss on it. All right, Matt, thanks for going over the types of cryptocurrency transaction. What is taxable? What's not taxable? We appreciate it. And we're going to be talking to you soon for part two of this introduction to cryptocurrency taxation series. Thanks again, Matt. Thanks for having me, Sal. Always happy to be here. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crypto Taxes Explained Guide. You can listen to this whole series by going to bitcoin.tax slash crypto tax guide. If you enjoyed the series, we'd really appreciate if you left us a positive review on whichever platform you're currently listening on. Don't forget, you can go to bitcoin.tax for any of your cryptocurrency tax calculation needs. Have a great day, everybody. And thanks again for listening.